Good evening, and welcome to the Cabinet of Fever Dreams. Tonight, a tale of teenage love, the ocean, and monster trucks. Monster Truck Revengeance was originally released August 18th of 2021, and is read to you tonight by Sam Barlian, with musical backing by Carl Casey of White Bat Audio and Zero. This story was originally written as a gift for Sam, the delightful actor who is reading tonight's tale, since the fellow was scared of monster trucks when he was a kid. Want to share your obscure childhood fears with me as well? Hit me up at cabinetoffeverdreams at gmail.com, and who knows, maybe you'll see your own demons crawl out of the cabinet of fever dreams. With all that said, take a seat, enjoy the monster truck rally, but don't you dare laugh if you see a car crash. When I was six, I saw a man die. We were on vacation in America, and my dad thought it would be fun to take my brother and me to a monster truck show. It was meant to be one last night of American overindulgence before we flew back to New Zealand the following day. A night of crackling speakers, groaning metal, and eventually, accidental death. When I was six, I saw a man die, and I laughed. In my defense, I wasn't a very smart kid. I thought that the big cars riding through the rings of fire weren't like the small cars that drive on the highway. It didn't occur to me that there might be a driver trapped beneath the wreckage. You know, big funny car go whoops and crash and boom. Age six, I found that very funny. Don't laugh, you idiot. My brother, age 12, slapped me upside the head. Out of principle, I laughed harder. Below us, a medical crew was trying to pry the driver out of the truck. There was no music. All that could be heard in the arena was the roaring fire, manic shouting, and of course, my high-pitched laughter. One look from my dad shut me up. The other people that were staring at me just made me feel bad. Below us, the rescue team had finally freed the driver from the wreckage, but, but his fate had been sealed. That's when it dawned on me that laughing might not have been appropriate. The driver wasn't screaming anymore, but it wasn't for lack of trying. At that point, he was nothing more than a charred corpse and melted latex. As they carried the dying man off the field, he had enough energy just for one last gesture of sentience. He craned his neck to the part of the stadium where I was sitting, and he shook his burnt fist at me. That night, and for many nights afterwards, I would have the most vivid of dreams. I was in a dark gothic city of lamplight and cobblestone. The air smelled of fresh rain. The streets were empty and drenched in fog. The dream would always start off peaceful. Yet soon enough, I could hear. I could hear the squealing of tires, that the world filled with the smell of burning rubber, a pair of flickering headlights cut through the fog. The monster truck stood before me. Its driver's cavern caved in, its paint darkened by flames. It crept towards me. It meant me harm. The car ride to the airport took a solid hour, and I spent every minute of it watching the highway in fear. My brother teased me about being a fool, but the fear in my heart drowned him out. I was convinced that the monster truck was following us. That conviction lasted well past the TSA checkpoint, but by the time we were in the airplane, I calmed. Zoning out to the pre-flight cartoons and 
carving through the coloring book, the flight attendant got me, and I'd almost forgot about the monster truck. Almost. Just as the plane was lifting off, I saw it. Driving through the fields by the airport, following the plane. A familiar monster truck. The sight of the wrecked vehicle provoked a panic attack so fierce that the flight attendant had to get involved. Things didn't get much better after we landed in Auckland. For weeks I had to sleep with my parents because I was scared that the big monster truck would travel through the Pacific and run me over. Eventually, the fear disappeared. The monster truck faded away just to be a mere blimp in the fields of my soul and soon enough there were more important things to contend with. School, video games, girls. By the time I hit puberty, all my memories of America had disappeared beneath the stress of adolescence. The dreams didn't come back until my senior year. At first, I thought it was just a stress reaction for the upcoming exams, a bit of misguided regression. Yet the dreams didn't end after exams finished. The nightmares followed me well into the summer. With a kind of graduation trip coming up, however, I found other worries to contend with. Each night, I still dreamt of burning rubber and cobbled streets and bodily harm, yet outside of my mornings, the monster truck didn't really worry me. I was worried about the, the, the graduation trip, or more accurately. I was nervous about my blossoming romance with Amanda Robinson. Well, we were good friends through most of high school, neither of us pushed the friendship any further, yet when I told her I was leaving New Zealand to study in Europe, when it became clear that we wouldn't get to hang out anymore. Something changed between us. We became really good friends. Inseparable, even. We started texting long into the night, every night. Most of my summer existence revolved around the yogurt shop where she worked, and, and Amanda spent just about every weekend with me. We even held hands a couple times. <laughs> the moment she agreed to join my friends and I for a weekend at my uncle's cabin, our fate was sealed. There was a full moon on the first night of the trip. Everyone in the cabin had either gone to sleep or passed out from the booze, and we, we sat by the ocean, half drunk and nervously puffing away on cigarettes. In our cloud of smoke, we cuddled. Beyond us, the waves ebbed and flowed in calming rhythm, but it felt like my heart was about to jump out of my chest. With my thumb brushing past Amanda's neck, I found a kindred spirit in her heartbeat. I'd kissed a couple girls before. Hell, I'd, I'd got to second base with Amy Wilson the summer prior. But the moment my lips touched Amanda's, it, it felt like a completely novel experience. She wasn't someone I was trying to impress. She knew me. I knew her. We'd both spent enough time around each other to be aware of the, the other's imperfections, yet none of that mattered in that moment. Reality simmered down into gentle touches and tobacco-laced breaths. No one else existed. It was just me, Amanda. The spotlight of the universe zeroed in on our love and everything else just faded away in the hush of the waves. Flickering lights cut through the darkness. It rose out of the sea, rusted and covered in seaweed. The horrid machine kicked up a wave of wet sand with its back tires. My tender moment with Amanda became dreadfully irrelevant in the stark lights of the metal monstrosity. 
the truck that had haunted my childhood was back, and more terrifying than ever. Lodged inside the truck's grill, desperately gasping for oxygen was some sort of deep sea creature. All too easily I could imagine my crushed body keeping it company. I ran. I ran back to the cabin, leaving Amanda to fend for herself. She caught up with me on the porch, no truck in tow, she was fine. Amanda was fine, but the truck had crushed years worth of chemistry out of existence. We spent the night on the couch, next to one of my passed out friends. We held each other, but it was purely to ease the shivering. Through the glass doors, all we could see was a tranquil beach. But we both knew the truck was out there. We both feared it would come back. But it didn't. No squealing tires, no choking engines. All that could be heard at night was the rhythmic union of the gentle waves outside and drunken snores. That night, the nightmare was stronger than ever. I dreamt of that rusted truck catching me on those lamplit streets. I dreamt of being crushed by those seaweed-covered tires. I watched my blood flow out on the cobbled streets, mixing with the clumps of sand and broken seashells. No one in the cabin believed us the following day. Both Amanda and me refused to go back to the beach to show where the monster truck had appeared, so my friends ventured out to find the tracks themselves. When they returned, they called us crazy. I told them they didn't search in the right place. I told them that the trunk's massive tracks had to be somewhere outside. They laughed. Gave us the items we left behind on the beach. My shirt, Amanda's bra black sock that could have belonged to either of us, and an unopened condom. My friends found our presumed break with reality very funny, until Amanda announced she wanted to go home. So did I. My friends stopped laughing and started trying to change our minds. Neither Amanda nor me were willing to stay another night. With grumbled complaints about my sanity, the cabin trip came to an abrupt close. I sat next to her on the train back to Auckland. We didn't speak. We both kept our eyes on the countryside, fearing the possibility of a rusted metal hiding among the trees. No monster truck presented itself among the foliage. Paranoia didn't leave us when we arrived in the city. I didn't see Amanda after we left the train station. I didn't see any of my friends again. I stayed on the second floor of my parents' house for two weeks, Fearing that at any moment a giant truck would level the house. My flight out of New Zealand couldn't come soon enough. Prague. The mother of all cities. Heart of Europe. I originally chose to study there because of the cheap beer and pretty girls that would occasionally pop up on my Pornhub recommended page. Yet after I saw the monster truck emerge out of the ocean that one fateful summer night, there was another reason why moving to Prague seemed like... A reasonable option. The city was completely landlocked. There was no conceivable way that the giant vehicle could sneak its way into the metropolis. I ended up studying in one of the American universities, where I could get a New York degree for a fraction of the cost. Figured that an expensive degree without debt would be an asset in the job market. The education still wasn't free though, and I was a broke student. So instead of picking out in a room somewhere in the center, I ended up getting an apartment in these Soviet-era housing projects that hung the borders of the city. Every day I rode the tube to the center where my university was, 
I walked down cobbled streets, I drank in the dim glow of the gaslit lamps, yet I refused to make the connection. Amanda was in the past, the dreams of the monster truck were in the past. I, I decided I would put the unexplainable terror behind me and, and just carry on with my life. For three years, I lived a carefree existence of drinking and traveling and occasionally studying. This was around the time that Tinder started being a thing and, and embracing the check disdain for monogamy. I, I dated around a lot, grasping for something that would remind me of my connection with Amanda. I dated around a lot. And then I met Petra. Auburn hair, piercing eyes, oh, and a body straight off the most viewed videos page. Petra, she was my presentation partner in a dumb mandatory statistics class, but it, she soon became so much more. She always knew exactly what she wanted, and she had the wit of a grizzled stand-up. For the first six-ish months of our relationship, I wasn't even sure if we were dating, or if Petra just took a liking to having hate sex with me. Either way, I was having the time of my life. When the lease on her apartment ran out, Petra asked me if I wanted to move in with her somewhere in the centre. In this conversation, she specifically referred to me as her boyfriend. I didn't care about the security deposit on my cramped Soviet apartment, or the fact that I couldn't afford to live in the centre. I wanted to be closer to Petra. The rest of my life would just have to adjust. It was the third apartment we saw. I recognised it. Immediately, but I didn't want to say anything about it. I didn't want to say anything, period. I, I was speechless. It was a pricey place on the border of Zhishkov and Vinohrady, a part of the town almost exclusively occupied by expats. There was an Albert and a Tesco and a tram station just a stone's throw away from the door, and the terrace had an Instagram story-worthy view. You could see the entirety of the mother of all cities from that balcony. You could also see the street below. I'd never been in that part of town before, but the alley below was well familiar. Cobbled streets, gaslit lamps. All that was missing was the monster truck. Petra knew exactly what she wanted, and what she wanted was that apartment. I tried to find a different place, but she would hear none of it. We signed a year-long lease within two days of the viewing. I tried to bring up my dreams of the monster truck, of the innate fear that those cobbled streets brought up in my chest, but Petra had a way of shutting down my neurosis before I even opened my mouth. She was beautiful, and she was smart, but Petra also had a cutting tendency towards cruelty. I'd heard far too many stories about previous crazy exes, guys that would tell her unhinged stories about being followed by unexplainable creatures and curses. I, I didn't want to become a part of that catalogue of madness. I didn't want to be just another crazy ex that she talked about somewhere down the line. I didn't want her to break up with me. I wanted to be normal. So I stayed quiet. I stayed quiet as the dreams of burnt rubber and blinding headlights snaked their way back into my sleep. I stayed quiet as the intrusive thoughts of monster trucks started to consume all of my attention. I stayed quiet, just anticipating a horrible arrival I couldn't cope with. Petra was Czech, but she wasn't from Prague. Her family was from Moravia. Even though she treated most of the world around her with disdain, she regularly hopped a train and went to visit her folks on the other side of the country. 
It was during her absence that the dreams reached their horrible conclusion. Usually, my nightmares would end in pained whimpers beneath the unbearable weight of the monster truck's tires, but that night I woke to the crashing of thunder. Outside, the tin roofs of Prague clapped beneath the weight of a torrential downpour. Each flash of lightning was followed by a dark wave of force that vibrated its way through all the windows in the house. The thunder came with enough regularity to sound like the ebb and flow of an angry ocean. 20,000 kilometers away from her, I found myself thinking about Amanda. I found myself wondering how my life would have looked like if that horrid machine didn't crawl out of the water that fateful night. The window of our bedroom was like a black mirror that occasionally lit up under the force of lightning. I watched the outside world, finding comfort in the parking spot from my dreams being empty. The comfort didn't last. The flash of lightning was so strong it made my eyes hurt. What I saw in that split second of vision made my heart hurt even more. The monster truck stood exactly where it did in my dreams. Its once bright pink, so rusted and worn that it was almost invisible in the night. Almost. I tried calling Petra, but she didn't pick up. Even if she did, I, I don't know what I would have told her. I tried calling the city office. But they didn't pick up either. Even if they did, the chances of them speaking English were minimal. Even if they did speak English, the chances of them listening to my rambling about a monster truck were, were null. I stood by my window, hoping that another flash of lightning would make the truck disappear, but it didn't. As the storm passed and the sun started to rise, the monster truck still stood a couple meters from my apartment. There was no escape. When I opened the window, the smell of fresh rain made me laugh. I can't explain it, but that familiar smell, the perfect replica of what I smelt in all my nightmares, it, it made me cackle like a madman. <laughs> Big funny car go from dumb boy go die. The streets below me filled with fog. I watched the horror of my dreams be transposed into reality below. Whatever twisted humor I found in the carnage of the monster truck waiting for me quickly faded away. I've sat around trying to figure out what to do. It's not like I can hide forever. It doesn't seem the monster truck is anywhere else to go. I flipped a coin a couple dozen times. It keeps coming... It keeps on coming up heads. I texted Amanda. I'd rather have called her, but the time difference makes that absurd. I told her I wished her well, and that I still occasionally think about it. I told her that if she ever found herself in Europe, that she should visit. I doubt she ever will, though. The air outside smells like Fresh rain. But I know that won't last.
Cabinet of Fever Dreams is written and produced by Mike Jesus Langer and is brought to you by patrons such as Moo, Serafina L, Blackie J. Horton, Alan Rawl, Kuss, Bob Kondrick, Chicken Mixer, Daniel Wengel, and Mr. Creepypasta. If you'd like to join these fine people and support the show, get early access to episodes along with a bunch of bonus content, drop by patreon.com slash Langer. That's all for tonight. See you on the next episode of The Cabinet of Fever Dreams.